You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast on a Thursday leading into Week 15 against the Tennessee Titans. The Texans headed to Nashville this weekend to take on the oiler uniform-clad Tennessee Titans uh, in a uh, matchup where the Texans kind of hanging on by a thread right now in that 7-6 and six swamp of teams in the wildcard race. I say hanging on by a thread because there are quarterback issues and injury issues with this team. We're going to get into all of that today. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast, Sports Radio 610, and I'm joined as always by my good friend, the Hall of Famer, our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. And John, this um, in a season where the Texans have had a ton of injuries, especially along the offensive line and certain other parts of the team, um, this is about as bad as it gets when it comes to injuries for this team. C.J. Stroud in concussion protocol, not at practice. Nico Collins doesn't look like he's going to play. Blake Cashman doesn't look like he's going to play. And Will Anderson reportedly is in a walking boot right now with an ankle sprain. This is as bad as it's gotten all season long. As of uh, Wednesday, they had more players on injured reserve than any team in the NFL. I'll see all these other people whining about all their injuries. There can't be a team, not just injured reserve, but guys that have missed multiple games without going on injured reserve, which is some of their best ones. I've thought all along, as long as Stroud was healthy, they were capable of beating anybody. Now, they weren't capable of beating the Jets, who just humiliated them with Stroud. And I just – I think at this point it's going to require the kind of effort they had last year when they went to Nashville and they won 19-14. to yeah, I, I've said that all week. I, if they win this game, obviously Davis Mills looks like he's going to be the starting quarterback. He was the starting quarterback in that game last year, too, that you referred to, John. And that was in week 16, so it was late in the season, just like this one. I think if the Texans are going to win this game, the final score is going to look a lot like 19-14. to 14. I think the box score is going to look very similar to that game last year. You look at that game last year, I don't think they had a wide receiver that had over 40 yards in that game, but they had a handful of guys catch passes. Mills threw for a little under 200 yards. They won the turnover battle in that game, which was big. Um, they're going to have to ugly it up, and D'Amico Ryans is going to have to have to out Vrabel, Mike Vrabel, in this game on Sunday is what I've been saying all week long too. So yeah, I I think they've got a you know look I think they've got a, a decent chance of going there and winning. It's only a three point spread on this game right now, where at least where you can get it. A lot of books have taken the game down because. There's no official word yet on C.J. Stroud, but as you point out, he's probably not going to play. Um, but I, this is a game – if you're a playoff team, this is a game you should go win in Tennessee, quite honestly. 
You're talking about three points, and uh, Kaimi Fairbairn's coming back since suffering that quad injury and a kickoff so long ago. I forgot who it was against, and uh, he's coming back in this Tampa. Game. Against Tampa. Could be decided by field goals. It's amazing that Tampa game, how exciting it was, how much passing. How it came right down to the end. Now we're talking about another low scoring and boring. What they need from Davis Mills is what they got the last game of his rookie year. They played in NRG Stadium. The Texans were awful. They had won four games. Titans were playing here to win. Uh, home field advantage in the AFC. Mills had a great game. He was twenty-five. He was twenty-three of thirty-three, three hundred and one yards. That's sixty-nine point seven percent. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, two sacks, and a rating of one twenty-eight point five. That's the kind of game they need. Now the Titans <laughs> struggled to win by three to get home field advantage, and that team was a whole lot better than this Titans team, quarterback by rookie Will Levis. Yeah, in that game, John. I mean, if you go back and look at the box score, the Texans fell way behind in that game, and then kind of, you know, made a feverish comeback and gave themselves a chance to to potentially win that game at the end. I I don't know if this team. If they get behind by a couple of touchdowns like that Texans team did with Davis Mills, I I don't know that this team's got a twenty. What was it? Twenty eight twenty five. I think was the final score of that game yep. you're talking about. Yep. Um, if I remember the, uh, I don't think this offense has twenty five points in it. That team weekend. was coached by David Culley, and they were awful. That game was at home too. And again, like you, you know, the it, it this I would submit. I don't know what it looks like the running game. In 2021, I don't remember. I just, I'm sure it wasn't good. I know last year was pretty much Damian Pierce, and that's it. And by the time that 1914 game rolled around, Pierce was, he was off, he was done for the season. He was injured. This team is the worst running team I've ever watched. They're the worst team at running the football, Texans team that I've ever watched. And we've watched some bad ones through the years. This one is worse at running the football than both of those teams were. This team is so bad running the football. You know who they need back? Say it, John. Give it to Rex me. Rex Bleeping Burkhead. Yeah, who ran for like a buck forty on that David <laughs> Cully coach team the week before that Tennessee game against so the Chargers I, in that huge upset. Yeah, yeah, no. So I, I don't need a reminder as to how bad that team was in 2021. I'm just telling you, this team can't run the football. They can't. They can't line up on first and ten and get three yards. It's incredible. I've never seen anything like it. And the Titans play great. Uh, they they got rolled really good. I think 158 yards rushing they gave to the Dolphins. Their running game was totally shut down. You know, you live at Derrick Henry, three yards of carry. You think you're going to win the game. I'm pretty sure if the Texans limit him to three yards of carry and he's averaged uh, 203 and a 7.1 yard average per carry in his last five games against them, mm-hmm. I think if they could limit him to three, they would probably win. Uh, but – Titans always play good run defense. Jeffrey Simmons won't play. He has been such a thorn in their side. But uh, they're still playing a run pretty well, even though Miami gouged them for 158. But it doesn't matter who's playing. They couldn't run the last two weeks against two of the worst run defenses in the NFL, the worst in the Broncos and the 28th worst in that loss to the Jets, and they can't run the football. And we talked about this earlier, Sean. I think they're going to, there's a good chance 
you're not going to change out all your players, so do you change a line coach? Chris Strasser came in here one year. They've changed line coaches, I think, four years in a row. Will it be a fifth? Because this running game isn't working, and it could be the system. The players, the linemen, they just haven't adjusted to the zone system that uh, started with Mike Shanahan, went to Gary Kubiak, and now Kyle Shanahan, and now Bobby Slowick. They just can't run. All right, so let's get to this game then, John. Let's dig in <laughs> on on that upbeat note that we just uh, that, that we just dug into the Texans run game. Let's do our pregame six pack here, where we get into six players, coaches, storylines, things that are going to affect the outcome of this game in Tennessee on Sunday, Week 15. Texans, Titans, Titans five and eight, Texans seven and six, Texans eighth seed in the AFC right now. Um, they are in a bunch with five other seven and six teams in the AFC. They've beaten a few of those teams. They've lost to the Colts um, and the uh, the spread on this game. The Titans are a three-point favorite in this game on Sunday. So, John, you go first as always. I was looking it up, Sean. Um, last year, Davis Mills in his second year as a starter had two 300-yard games. That's two fewer than his rookie year. He only had two ratings in the 90s. And in his rookie year, when Tim Kelly was calling the plays and he had Pep Hamilton, his quarterback coach, not his coordinator, he had four and he was better. That's because the offense was better. So I'm going to say Davis Mills, I believe he's coached a lot better. And I know you'd agree by quarterback coach, Gerard Johnson and offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick. I think that he got a lot of work in the off season. He got a lot of work in training camp. He's been running the scout team in practice. Now he's running with the first team. I'm going to say Mills is going to play well, but the key is they got to protect him, and they haven't been doing a good job of protecting. Besides Laramie Tunsil, uh, when it came to C.J. Stroud, Stroud's been hit way too many times. Mills is going to have to get rid of the ball quick. And he's going to have to not throw turnovers. So Davis Mills has got to be protected, and he's got to avoid turnovers because I think other than that, if he's got a little time, he's going to be accurate, especially if his receivers will step up. Yeah. I um, I, And I would – just to add to the Davis Mills bullet point, John, I would add um, Bobby Slowick and what wrinkles he might add that the Titans haven't seen yet. You know, does he add anything – Seth has been kind of adamant this week about adding some elements of, you know, Davis Mills kind of underrated athletically. You know, he's not just Deshaun Watson or anything like that, but adding some things that the Titans haven't seen that Mills is capable of doing at least, you know, in terms of involving him in the run game, you know, whether it's uh, zone read type stuff or whatever, just some things that Tennessee has seen because everything that they've, everything that Tennessee has seen is largely stuff that has not worked lately in the run game. Um, they're going to be missing Nico Collins and Tank Dell. That's largely what's worked in the passing game this year with C.J. Stroud at quarterback. And I'm anxious to see, too, if they dust off any trick plays in this game. You know, a little flea flicker here, you know, a little direct snap. Uh, Devin Singletary's thrown a touchdown pass this year. Do they add some wildcat in where he's got some options to throw the ball? I, I think, John, this season is kind of hanging very precariously right now. They need to win this football game. And I think this is one of those things. This is a situation, especially if you feel like Stroud's coming back next week and you can start getting back to running your conventional offense with your starting quarterback. I feel like this is one of those things, man, where you kind of empty the chamber a little bit when it comes to things Tennessee hasn't seen or trick plays or high variance type stuff. Well, I do not see them adding Davis Mills runs unless he's forced out of the pocket. 
Yep. I would agree with you on that. I just think it was interesting that Seth's been kind of clamoring for that this week on our show. My first one is Dalton Schultz. Uh, he was running around again at practice on Wednesday. Now he practiced last Wednesday too and wound up not playing, but it looked like he's made a lot of progress in one week. Uh, looks like he should be out there um, this week. Uh, I don't know if that's something that is a total game changer for the Texans offensively, but he easily becomes their most accomplished pass catcher, uh, Dalton Schultz. So getting him back is big. And again, to add to the slowic angle with this, I'll be anxious to see how much two tight end stuff maybe they run because we haven't seen a lot of that yet this year. But I think Brevin Jordan's done enough these last couple weeks to where you feel confident in him catching the football if it comes his way. Um, so you're not going to be able to beat them in expl with explosive plays down the field because the two guys that do that type of thing, they, they are not playing in this game, Nico Collins and Tank Dell. So Dalton Schultz and the tight end position in the passing game is a big one for me. I think that's an important one, and I do think they'll go to two tight end sets a lot. And the other three wideouts, Noah Brown, Robert Woods, and uh, uh, John Manchie, they have not done squat in these last two games. Those one, one, At least one of those guys has got to step up and help Mills. Yep. What's your next one, John? Coverage. They couldn't cover my grandmother, and she's dead when they played the Jets. And the safeties have not done a good job in coverage. Jalen Petrie has been terrible. Jimmy Ward hasn't been good. Now, fortunately for them, the corners, except for Tavier Thomas, who may be out, have been good. Derek Stingley Jr. in his seven games has been great. Steven Nelson has been good. Now, Desmond King, in his brief time with him, he's done a good job. But the corners are not the issue. The issue are the safeties and the linebackers. So the pass coverage has got to be better against Will Levis, a rookie, than it was the much maligned, heavily criticized Zach Wilson, who threw for 301 yards and just embarrassed the linebackers in secondary. And one of the things to keep in mind, Tajay Spears, their rookie running back, yeah, he just had six catches and 89 yards. Yeah. Bryce, Bryce, Brees Hall had eight catches and 60, 80-something yards. Yeah. So they're running into the same type of running back when it comes to coverage. Yeah. That's not good because these linebackers, other than Blake Cashman, who's probably not going to play, they can't cover anybody. Yeah, yeah, that's the uh, – <clears throat> no, no doubt about that, John. The, 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 the linebackers have been bad. Do you think that Stingley follows DeAndre Hopkins all over the field on Sunday? I'm kind of hoping I'm, for that. I'm hoping he does. I'm not sure that he will. It's Hop. You don't have to worry about Traylon Burks. They just don't have another receiver. But, boy, if you could – devote Stingley to hop or even double hop, whatever you got to do. But I'd sure like to see Stingley on him, you know, the the past versus the present and the future of Texans. Yeah. Um, my next one is I'm going to stay with the defense. I'm going to go Sheldon Rankins, Malik Collins in the interior of the defensive line um, for a couple reasons. One, obviously, to try to shut down Derrick Henry and make sure he doesn't go for it. John, what did you say his average was over the last seven games against the Texans? 203 yards? Only 203 yards and 7.1 per carry over the last yeah, five games. It feels like a lot. Yeah, let me think. Yeah, that definitely feels like a lot. Um, so, um, yeah, the interior of the defensive line, not just, the, not just shutting down Derrick Henry, I think getting a push up the middle on a rookie quarterback, you know, we always talk about, you know, trying to obviously when you think of rushing the passer, you think of guys off the edge. And that's an issue enough with the Texans if Will Anderson might not play in this game on Sunday. 
but getting a push up the middle in the face of a rookie quarterback. And then, and then it comes down to the defense, the ends, making sure that Will Levis is staying in the pocket, that you're rushing with some degree of discipline. So he doesn't do what Zach Wilson did to you last week, which is escape the pocket buy more time and then find Garrett Wilson. And I guess in this case it'd be Deandre Hopkins open down the field on scramble plays. So I'm looking at the, the two veteran interior defensive linemen, Sheldon Rankins and Malik Collins, shutting down Derrick Henry and getting in the face of Will Levis in this game. This seems hard to believe, but I believe the one thing that they will do is shut down Derrick Henry in the running game because they've been so good at it. You know, last year they gave up 170 yards a game, by far the worst run defense. And now they are eighth in the NFL, 95.6 a game. They give up 3.6 a carry. That's second. But a deeper dive here, Sean, in the last eight games, they're giving up 85.1 and mm-hmm. 3.3. And if you eliminate the quarterbacks, Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, and just go with the backs, yeah, in those eight games, they're giving up 73.2 and three yards a carry. So yeah. I feel confident this run defense – even though they'll be missing Will Anderson Jr. if he can't play with an ankle injury, I'm guessing he's out. Jerry Hughes is not the run player he was. They lost Dylan Horton for the year. So they're hurting. And uh, But still, the consistency up front is where all the run defense begins. But, man, Jonathan Grenard's playing great against the run besides rushing a quarterback. Will Anderson's great against the run, and they're going to miss Anderson. Yeah. So do you think you're, you're guessing Will Anderson doesn't play in this game, John? Not if he's in a boot on Wednesday. I don't see him coming out, especially when so much of his game is based on quickness and cutting. Yeah. Uh, I just can't imagine that they'd let him. You know, he can play on an ankle that's like 95%, maybe even 9 and not be as, as quick, but he can still set the edge and play the run. So hopefully he'll make some kind of miraculous recovery. Yep. So did, was that? Did you do your last one, John, or were you just sprinkling some numbers on mine right there? No, I was just sprinkling some numbers on yours. Okay, thank you. Uh, do you have your last one for the six pack? I do. My last one is the thing that we've talked about all year. I don't understand how you can go back to back with great running games, including 188 yards, and then just be terrible against two bad run defenses. And I still think a lot of it is they haven't adjusted to the system. Don't know if Strasser's coached it, but they're so discombobulated in the running game. And we can blame uh, the injuries, but they had those games back-to-back where Singletary was tremendous with injuries. So I'm going to say this. They got to at least rush for 100 yards, and that's not Mm -hmm. squat for most teams, but it certainly is for the Texans. It's amazing that they still have come as close as they have Right now, you know, you'd think they'd still be terrible and be close to the worst in the NFL, but they're not. They're 25th. Isn't that amazing? Seven teams are worse than them, 96.6. But they they need to beat that. And substantially beat it would be great, get up around 120. But I think they've only done that four times. But you've got to give – the Titans, something else to worry about besides getting after Davis Mills, who's primarily a pocket passer. Yeah, I, they, they've got to find a way to run the football. This, I, John, I said this on the – this isn't my last item in the six-pack, but I'm just kind of – I'm sprinkling some stuff on yours right here. Um, th- like this needs to be one of those games where D'Amico Ryan's just like, looks at the looks the offensive line in the eye and says, guys, you need to – you you this game is on you. Like this game is on you. We don't have our our weapons. We have our backup quarterback. 
you are the you are the group in this building that has the most room for improvement like that 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 has a reasonable ceiling and you're not even coming close to what that ceiling is like i i feel like we've gotten everything we can this year out of noah brown and 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 robert woods and who knows what davis mills is in this system the running backs aren't giving you anything right now in no small part because they get hit in the backfield half the time start playing like we're paying you know like start playing at the pay grade that we're paying you guys at or that we drafted you at and I know Michael Dieter is a street guy that they signed, and I know George Fant is a street guy that they signed, and Juice Scruggs is a rookie. The other two guys are making a ton of money, Shaq Mason and Laramie Tunsil. Um, and to your point, John, we're not asking you guys to find a way to keep the quarterback entirely clean the whole game and rush for 200 yards. We're asking you to rush for 100 yards and maybe make sure he only gets hit you know, two or three times in the game, something like that. But I think this is a this is like a gut check game for the offensive line, honestly. Like, and there's no Jeffrey Simmons in this game either, like you pointed out, John. So there's the, you know there's not a Quinn and Williams in this game who's going to ruin Michael Dieter, like Quinn and Williams did all afternoon last week. Ooh, it was ugly. His rating by Pro Football Focus was in the twenties. Now Laramie Tunsil's playing really well. He's got a knee injury. He doesn't practice because of that knee injury, but he answers the bell. He's played well, but like you said, and Juice Scruggs is a rookie who's been on IR until the last two games, so he's struggling at times. But for Shaq Mason, who's a guard, who cost him a lot of money, not a high pick, but he's got to play well. And then Tunsil, you can count on him, but those other three, and Fant's coming off a bad game too. Now the Jets have a much better defensive line and a better defense than the Titans do. Right now the Titans overall are 17th in defense, they're 14th against the run. You know, usually they're top five, and yeah. a lot of that may have to do with Simmons being out. Could be. Um, all right, John, my last one, Kaimi's back. Kaimi Fairbairn. It's a three-point spread on this game. If the Texans are going to win this game, it's probably going to be an ugly, mucky, close kind of game, Or and or points are going to be at a premium throughout the whole 60 minutes of this game. You know, if you get – if you get into Titans territory and you get into field goal range, you got to cash in with at least three every time. I feel a whole lot better about that happening this week than I felt in any of the last five weeks with Matt Amendola as the kicker. Even Matt Amendola's makes were treacherous, you know, like just inside the upright type stuff. Um, I've gained a greater appreciation for Kaimi Fairbairn through these last five weeks. And if this is going to be a close game and it comes down to the wire, I feel good about having our kicker back. And I know how good you feel about having the kicker back, and you feel great knowing every snap will be perfect. Amen, brother. Amen. John Weeks for president <laughs> of the universe. Sick him. Uh, all right, John, let's get to – oh, predictions. What, what's your prediction on the game? I'm going to take the Texans to win this game 19-17. to 17. Okay. I've got the Titans winning this game. Uh, 20 to, uh, we'll call it 20 to 17. I think this thing's a push. I think it's 20 to 17 Titans win the game. And we are talking about the Texans having to win out just to hang around in the AFC playoff race for the rest of the season. I just, I can't trust this offense. I, you know what? 20 to 13, I'm going down to 13 points. I, what am I thinking? 17 points with this offense, 20 to 13 Titans. And John, I've been wrong a lot this year. So hopefully I'm wrong again. They scored 19 last year. With Pep Hamilton calling the plays. Yep, I know. I, I'm I'm aware. That's why I put 19. 
I feel worse about this offense going into this environment with these particular players. I will say this. They had Brandon Cooks on that team last year, too. Like, there's no – they could use Brandon Cooks right now with Collins and, and Tank Dell both out. You know, Cooks is playing good football for the he Cowboys. Is, and he's competing for a Super Bowl, although he's not going to get there. No, I, I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on that one. All right, John, um, you ready for a few for real or fugazis? I sure am. All right, let's do it. We do this every Thursday episode. It's one of the most fun things we do. I've got a list of sentences in front of me here. I will read them as if they are fact. John will then assess it, and if he agrees with what I'm saying, he says for real. If he disagrees, if he thinks it's phony, if he thinks it's 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 wrong, it's stupid, whatever the case may be, he says Fugazi. Ooh, Gazy. That's uh, Tommy DeVito for counterfeit or fake. This is Tommy DeVito's agent. Yeah, yeah. Sean Couldn't Stilato he step right into an episode of The Sopranos? If they ever do a – well, they can't do a remake unless they do Tony's kid uh, one or one of his kids. Yeah. they got to have his agent, Sean, whatever his name is. Sean Stilato, yeah. Sean Stilato. Yeah. Um, okay, let's start there real quick. It's impromptu for real or fugazi. For real or fugazi, John, Tommy DeVito came along 15 years – or I guess it would be like 20 years too late – Otherwise, he would have definitely, like Eric Mangini before him, had a cameo appearance in an episode of The Sopranos. I think that's for real right now. They're probably lining up to get Sean Stilato and his pupil, uh, Tommy DeVito, oh. in uh, any show they can get because those two are so hot in New York, nobody's talking about Zach Wilson. No, I know. It's crazy. And I thought just watching, just observing Stilato, like he looked like somebody – I if I'm totally judging the book by its cover, like I knew nothing about him before that game. And with the getup that he had on, I'm like this. And the fact that Tommy DeVito is undrafted, I'm like, God, this looks like it's probably like a buddy of his who says I'll be, I, who wants to get into being a sports agent. So DeVito like did him a solid and let him represent him and whatnot. Stilato's got a lot of clients. As it turns out, I listened to an interview he did with Boomer and Geo on WFAN. Underdog clients. He's been an agent. He's since big time. Played yeah. running back at Marist and he's, Tight with his daddy. That's okay. where he got the in with Tommy. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, John, here we, here we go. Some for some uh, some actual for real or fugazis. John, um, Davis Mills is going to start the game on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. But for real or fugazi, Case Keenum will see action on Sunday. Fugazi. Davis Mills is going to play well enough where Case will be on the sideline with the headphones on. What kind of rope do you think Davis has in this game? I think he's got a good rope because yeah. if he's not – unless he just throws a bunch of balls off target and throws a couple interceptions, I don't think he's coming out. But if he turns the ball over, I think he will because they understand the players he's got around him. Stroud, they couldn't do anything for Stroud last week. And so if they don't do anything for Mills, it won't be surprising. But if he throws bad and they're intercepted, then we'll see Case. All right, John, next one. We mentioned Jonathan Grenard a little bit earlier. He's one of a handful of Houston Texans who are in contract years and going to be free agents after the season is over. Dalton Schultz is another one. Steven Nelson is another one. A uh, handful of others. Sheldon John Rankins. For Sheldon Rankins, right, right. But, John, for real or fugazi, Jonathan Grenard is the biggest priority out of all of those potential free agents. Oh, that's for real. He's got first double-digit sacks Watt in 2018 when he had 16. And Jonathan is really good against the run. That's what sets him apart from a lot of edge rushers. And he wasn't uh, in the past, but they have made him into a good run defensive end, mainly because of coaching and discipline. 
for him to set the edge. So he's going to be a hot property because I'm guessing, Sean, he'll get another two or three sacks, and it's going to cost the Texans a lot of money, and they'll put a budget on him, and they won't exceed it. But, boy, to me, if you're going to play a lot of pay a lot of money, do it for your guys you know very well. Don't do it for a player coming from another team you don't. Yeah. He's John, this is the thing too. You know, Grenard's other good season was two years ago in 21, where he had eight sacks in 12 games that year. But even that year, it was almost like he had eight sacks, but it felt like that was most of the times that he was able to disrupt the pocket. He got a sack. He was able to get the quarterback on the ground. There have been so many more downs and snaps that Jonathan Grenard's been playing this year where he's just been disruptive. Like he's just around the pocket a lot more this year, you know, and obviously he's got 10 sacks. So yeah, he's around the pocket. I'm just saying like, I think of like the end of the, um, the Denver game, like his pressure is what forced Russell Wilson to throw that interception. There's been so many plays like that where he's collapsing the pocket. Maybe somebody else is getting a sack as opposed to every time he's showing in 21, it felt like every time Jonathan Grenard showed up, you know, in the pocket, he got a sack. So it's not like he was super disruptive all year. It's just that he happened to get the quarterback on the ground on the rare occasion that he was getting into the pocket. Like he has become an all-around really disruptive, solid defensive end this year. And when Nick Casario is trying to decide what to do, he's got to remember Grenard was hurt every year. Yeah. Contract yeah. year, he's healthy. Yeah. You always worry about that. Yep, no doubt. All right, John, one of the big games this weekend is Buffalo. The Bills are hosting – the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys, one of the hottest teams in football. Bills, Bills Cowboys. Bills are one of the seven and six teams that the Texans are uh, are competing with right now. I would contend they're the most dangerous of those seven and six teams. That's just my opinion because of their point differential and their quarterback. But John, for real or Fugazi, Buffalo wins this game. They are in the playoffs. I think that's for real. I think they're going to make the playoffs. they got a really tough schedule. They've lost some tiebreakers. But ever since Joe Brady was promoted over Ken Dorsey, they've played better. And and out, Josh Allen's not turned the ball over like he did. They're still letting mm-hmm. him run it. But he's just not committing the turnovers, throwing it into tighter windows based on his arm strength. A lot of that has to do with the time of year when the wind picks up but right now they may be the most dangerous potential wild card team in the nfl and boy texans fans got to be pulling for the cowboys they got to be cheering go dak go mike go cd because they need the cowboys to win go brandon cooks they got to root for brandon (laughs) cooks john how's that feel how's that taste and and you know what it's just the kind of game the cowboys could lose to beat Philly oh, yeah. at home, everybody's fired up. The, the teams they've beaten on the road, Giants, Panthers, and I I think the Jets, Yeah, that combined record is just terrible. It's awful. Yeah, it's awful. They need a signature win on the road. Buffalo would be a good one. Yeah, and I think just from the Buffalo perspective, for those wondering, okay, why do you say they're in the playoffs, Sean, if they win this game? They're eight and six. You know, they still got work to do because they play New England. They play the Chargers with no Justin Herbert. Hell, maybe even with a fired coach at that point. Um, And then they play Miami the last week of the year in Miami. But, John, they destroyed Miami earlier this year. And Miami, like as a rule, they lose to good teams and they beat up on they beat up on the sissy teams. Um, Miami does. So I, I, I think if Buffalo wins this game, I think they win out. That's my opinion on them. I think they go 11 and six. And that's one less spot available for the Houston Texans. You're right. You got to be a Cowboy fan this weekend, people, as much as that hurts. Um, John, along those lines, getting into the playoffs, 
We know the Rockets, 12 and 9 on the season right now. They've won 11 in a row at home. They I are watched a, them last night. They are a good basketball team right now. And they won a road game against the hardest of all the opponents, the defending world champions in altitude um, against the Denver Nuggets. John, for real or for Gazy, the Rockets will play a playoff game in their sport before the Texans play a playoff game next in their sport. I think it's for real, but if you take off, say, Fred Van Vliet and then you take out uh, Jalen Green and have the kind of debilitating injuries the Texans have had, it's not going to happen. But I love watching the Rockets. When they beat Memphis, they had three players in double digits on rebounds. And at the end of the game, when it was close and they put it away, Jalen Green and Alpi Singoon were not in the game. Right. Tari Eason has just gone crazy the last two games with a career high in points and rebounds. So, Amy Doka, like D'Amico Ryans, is doing a great job. That puts a lot of pressure on Joe Espada. Yeah, man. He's going to have to do as well as the Astros' new manager because he's following in some big footsteps with Dusty Baker and A.J. Hinch. But uh, it's amazing if he continues what the Astros are doing. There's no reason to think he won't. Yeah. How fortunate our teams have been to hit on the right coaches after failing for so long, except the Astros. Yeah, the the um, it, the Adoka and D'Amico hirings have been uh, they've been home runs. Um, all right, last two, John. Um, NBC has four playoff games every year that they broadcast. Um, three on the network, and then they're doing one on Peacock this year. Three of those four are going to be called by their main team of Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth. The fourth one in years past has been called by Al Michaels and a color analyst. Last year was Al Michaels and Tony Dungy doing that big comeback against Jacksonville, or big comeback Jacksonville had against the Chargers last year. Al Michaels was roundly criticized for his complete lack of energy in the call of that game. Perhaps as a result, John, Al Michaels will not be calling a playoff game on NBC this year. It'll be Ian Eagle's son, Noah Eagle, that'll be calling that other playoff game on NBC. For real or Fugazi, Al Michaels, after that performance last year in the playoffs, deserved to have his playoff game pulled from him. Fugazi, because he does games weekly on Amazon. I just I think it's terrible. Obviously, they want to go with a young guy. He's 27 years old. He's very talented. But Al Michaels is a staple of the NFL, staple of uh, – of uh, playoff games as well. I've been a Bill, big Al Michaels fan. Plus, he's a really good guy Is uh, in my dealings with him, yes. And and I've got a soft spot in my heart for Do You Believe in Miracles? Yes. So mm-hmm. I wish Al Michaels didn't have to go out this way. And Paul Marchand in New, uh, New York Post is the one that told him he yeah. was out. And Al was incredulous. He said, it's in my contract. How did yeah. you find this out? That is yeah. not the way you handle something with a guy who's meant so much to sports, not yeah. just the NFL for decades. I don't know Michaels like you do. I just, I've been really disappointed with the energy level on his calls of some of these Thursday games. Oh, I have too. I just don't think game. he deserves to be out. Yeah. There. Yeah. No, no. And I, I'm, 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 I'm getting around to agreeing with you on, on part of this, which is, um, that nobody should find out from a reporter that you're losing part of your gig. Like that's, that's just, that's, um, that's unconscionable, uh, for, for, uh, NBC to have it leak to Bob Marshawn and Marshawn be the guy basically to break the news to Al Michaels that he's getting that playoff game taken from him is that's deplorable. Um, and I also have a soft spot for Al Michaels cause I believe he is a fellow degenerate gambler like I am. So, um, I have a soft spot for that. He's Maybe John, he needs he, the money. 
he and Brent Musburger, right. He and Brent Musburger were always at the forefront of doing like very thinly veiled references to the spreads and totals in games. I always respected that out of Al Michaels. All right. You ready, John? Last one. I'm ready. Do you watch Christmas movies, John? Sure. Okay. Christmas movies, John. Um, Amy and I, uh, sat down on Tuesday night and we watched the greatest Christmas movie of all time for real or Fugazi elf is the greatest Christmas movie of all time. Fugazi. Give me a break. Elf. What are you talking about? Give me a White break. Christmas like, home alone. It's a wonderful life. Ugh. You like those old movies. It's a wonderful life. You like a Christmas story too. Classics. Of course. A Red Rider baby. Alone, that's not an old movie. 1990 no no home alone's not you're right about that i um what about christmas vacation do you like that one i my dad's full my dad used to think that was greatest christmas movie ever made and every time i would go home to waco he would want to play it all day keep it on the tape and i just got sick of it i thought it was funny the first 50 times I saw it now. I have not watched it since my dad died in 2007. All right, here we go. Now, now we, we may need to bring, we may, James, if you're able to jump in here, I don't want to just read you in the chat. Let's, we haven't done this yet. If James, James, if you can inject yourself, that's James Jackson. Oh our my producer, God, everybody. James on James, camera. James know, Jackson, our producer, just put it in the chat. Philly. I know, um, I know. His top four Christmas movies, counting down, Die Hard, Polar Express, The Grinch. Mm -hmm. Are we talking the cartoon Grinch or the one with uh, Jim, uh, Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey's Grinch. Jim Carrey's. And Grinch. then, and then you have Home Alone number one. I think Home Alone number one is is, is that is a fair number one. I think where you're going to get debate and discussion That's is fine. exactly what the follow up was. Die Hard being a Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's Die absolutely a Christmas, Christmas movie because you, the whole theme is Christmas. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you. What do you mean the theme is Christmas? The, the theme, theme is, is Christmas all around. Attacking a building. He went home for a Christmas, for a Christmas party. Christmas. Yeah, yep, yep. It's all around Christmas. It doesn't have to be centered around what they do at Christmas, but the Christmas time period music? is Christmas. All that. All that. Um, and then what, what you guys seem to disagree about, about the Grinch and Polar Express, too. Polar Express yeah. is, is a polarizing movie, no pun intended. You either, yeah. either love it or you hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a Polar Express guy. The Grinch. I, can I tell you, I've never seen the, the Jim Carrey version of The Grinch. So I can't, I, I can't That's take crazy. you to task for that one, James. If I haven't seen it, then I can't, you know, I, I have a hard time criticizing well, that selection. That's cool, Sean. Now we, you have homework before our next. Yeah. Uh, I got to watch The Grinch. I promise that by next week's For Real or Fugazi, I'll come back with a movie report there we on go. The Grinch. I love yeah. the Grinch, the, the animated one. My wife watches that constantly leading up to Christmas, and I've watched it once, and I guess it's okay, but she recites the dialogue, and I go in another room. <laughs> she recites the whole thing? Like all the, the Dr. Seuss She can do that with a lot of Christmas movies. Really? Sings the songs like in White Christmas before Bing Crosby sings White Christmas. Mm -hmm. She knows dialogue on Home Alone. I'll give you an underrated one, an underrated Christmas one. You guys may not have seen it, but it's a it's an old Jim Henson joint with uh you know the it's the guy who invented the Muppets called Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. I've heard like, of it. I've never it's like seen it. It's 25 minutes long. It's it, not it, long. I've heard of it. It's a short, right? It'll like it's a short, yeah, it's probably yeah. like 20, 25 minutes long. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's it is uh it's it's very, very good. You know, if you go into it knowing you're expecting like Muppet level humor kind of thing, mm -hmm. um, then uh it's it's uh 
to the to our listening audience and viewing audience, if you're looking for a new one, you're looking to mix a new one into the rotation. Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. It's probably yeah. about forty years old. I will mix that one. I will leave you guys with this. I do yeah. think Elf is a little bit of an overrated Christmas movie. Love Will Ferrell. Here, here, I. Yeah. John, we're on the same page here, John. Yes, yeah, we are. We're on the same okay. page. And I got one thing to say before we go. Yeah. Yippee ki yay. <laughs> yes. Die hard. All right. Um, well, let's get out of here. James, thank you for uh, jumping in with us there for a minute. That was fun. Um, John, I enjoyed this as always. Uh, let's uh, hope we have a vic victorious podcast on Sunday uh, Sunday afternoon. That would be nice. Certainly not like the one we had this past Ugh. Sunday, which was brutal, a devastating, brutal, everything, every negative adjective you want to come up with. I don't see the Titans scoring 30 points and outscoring the Texans by 24, no matter who's in the game. Yep. Uh, well, the, you guys all met James for the first time on the podcast. He's our producer, does a phenomenal job getting this podcast out to all you guys on a, on a timely basis and click that subscribe button. You'll be sure to get it, uh, sent to you automatically. When you do that, give us a, give us a review, preferably with five stars, rate and review the podcast. That always helps the activity and the algorithm and all that good stuff. Um, and, uh, and we appreciate you guys. Merry Christmas. Great time of year. And I uh, hope you've been enjoying the uh, podcast. We'll be back on Sunday evening as a follow-up to Sunday's game uh, between the Titans and the Texans in Nashville. So for James Jackson and John McClain, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you or uh, talk to all of you on Sunday evening. Until then, have a great weekend, everybody.